What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Sports. Jamal K. Davis here with you. Like, I gotta get get this out. Another sports weekend. All week I've been, like, compiling all the things I want to talk about. NFL. NCAA. NBA. Some tennis. And Major League Baseball. But I know it's been a while since I've done a pod. Actually, I didn't realize it was that much time between it. A lot of times I just kind of wait until I feel like I got a, a, a good amount of things that I want to talk about, get off my chest. You know, therapeutic. But I'll go in order of how I've kind of written it out and the way things transpired. First thing I want to give a shout out is to Coco Golf. She won the U.S. Open. You know, I think the thing that I enjoyed most in in watching the U.S. Open was seeing all of the videos of, like, when she was younger. I don't even know where all these things came from. And I don't remember where, what, like, who was posting them. But it was, like, showing her as, like, a nine-year-old jumping up and down as she was watching the final when Serena won. You know, I liked the post-game video where they were like, I'm in love with the Coco. And she was like, yeah, don't use that. But in a funny way. It was lighthearted. But like, yeah, I don't want to be associated with that. But I get it. But I think it was just great to see the next generation, if you will, especially as it comes to, as it relates to a black woman, you know, winning the U.S. Open and following the footsteps of Venus and Serena Williams and Zena Garrison all the way back to Althea Gibson. Like, that was really cool. And it would have been nice if, you know, Madison Keys had got there, Sloane Stevens. And even on the men's side, you know, I, I was bummed, but I get it. The fact that uh, Francis Tiafo and Ben Shelton had to face off against each other. It would have been nice if it was in the finals. Naomi Osaka was in the stands watching Coco golf for, for some of those matches. Maybe like one or two of them. But just it was just really neat. And, and like the thing that I enjoy most is... I actually, it doesn't matter what who the player is. I like to see their reaction. And Coco Golf, when she hit that winner down the line and just like fell out and laid out on the court, you know, it started sobbing a little bit. Like that emotion comes through when you realize you've reached, you've accomplished something that not many people accomplish. And first of all, just to be a professional athlete alone is something not people, many people accomplish. Winning a tennis tournament. I think she had just won her first ATP 1000. You know, she won the ATP 500 at the City Open, Mubadala DC City Open or City DC Open. Um, and she just kept going and going and going. And so the momentum was there. And I remember for the US Open, I think I continue to think that it's going to be Swiatek, and it probably isn't. It probably isn't. And I didn't even go back and listen to the pod to determine if if I had said that Coco was the sleeper because she was on a hot streak. But bottom line, I was happy for her. Novak's Joe COVID, as I'm going to call him, because he won't get 
the COVID vaccine and Aaron Rodgers, who we'll get into later, was at one of the tennis tournaments and posted on Instagram and, and crossed out Moderna and said, oh, I love supporting Novak, blah, 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 blah. All I, the main thing I simply have to say when I think about people who won't take the vaccine, I'm sure you've taken a shot for something. This was politicized. I'm sure as an athlete, you've taken a shot for something. You didn't question what was in it. You didn't care what was in it. You just wanted to get, out of, get back out on that field or court or ice. That's my. That's where it starts from. It's hypocritical. You're trying to get up on a soapbox. So Novak's Joe COVID, as I'm calling him, especially because Aaron Rodgers was like Novak's. He went there too. He won. He had a lot of people, you know, wearing the twenty-four shirts. The funny thing for me is I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have made twenty-four shirts. You already passed Federer and Nadal. If anything, you should have been waiting for the Australian Open, or maybe it's the French, or Wimbledon, or next year's U.S. Open. You need the 25 shirts. So then you say, I passed Margaret Court, too. Which Serena didn't get a chance to. I don't know if she, I think, I don't remember, shoot, I don't remember she ever officially retired, but we know she's not coming back. She's certainly not going to win a, a Grand Slam. So that's the shirt I would have worn, not 24. Or have made, rather. But he won. You know, I'm sure in his mind it would have been nice to get the Grand Slam. And he probably will never get that. He may not even get 25. Every year, there are new players that are, their trajectory changes. Luck changes. Skill level improves that will find ways to surpass him, if you will. And I imagine that that's going to happen sooner than he probably even thinks. But I get it. he wants to take care of his body, right? We're, hey, I'm, I'm not against that. I'm just saying I'm sure he's taken a shot for something before in his life. Come on, let's be real here. Lastly, as I guess I'll just finish out the tennis, Simona Halep uh, has been banned for taking performance-enhancing drugs. And Serena Williams put out the tweet. Oh, shoot, I forgot to have it queued up here. Eight is great. Eight is even better. Something like that. But bottom line, she didn't win eight. But she lost to Simona Halep in her last Grand Slam final. And in her mind's like, man, you probably took something to beat me. I should be up there. I should have 24. And she doesn't. Um, we'll see how this transpires. Simona Halep, of course. I mean, who says they're guilty until the evidence is just so surmountable that it's like, okay, yeah, you got me. But realistically, nobody says, oh, yeah, I was guilty right up front. But we'll see where it goes. But I'm sure that will eat at Serena for the rest of her life that she never quite tied or bested Margaret Court. I think she is the greatest athlete in tennis. 
But now that Djokovic has 24, you got to kind of say, okay, they're one and one, a tie, I guess. But I think Serena probably wanted that 24 and 25 and she just, she'll never get it. And that probably as a competitor, that probably eats at her. Probably a lot. Probably a lot. I'll switch to college football as I am recording this on Saturday, posting it on Saturday, looking back at the weekend sports, if you will. I'm going to be rooting for my Pitt Panthers to win the backyard brawl in West Virginia. I'm excited for the game. I actually don't have all my pit colors now, but I'll wear them today. I'll put them on. But it's going to be a tough game. And it, it the funny thing is I thought about this game and, you know, I was around some other people that are in at Pitt Athletics um, talking about uh, the backyard brawl. And then talked about it a little bit with LaShawn McCoy, Shady McCoy, who played at Pitt. Uh, doing a music video, which you'll see at some point soon, that he participated in for a pit production, if you will. Um, and it's with Wiz Khalifa, so I'm excited to see it and for everybody to see it. Shout out to 412 Alliance. But um, I remember the atmosphere down there. Now, as far as the excitement of being at an away game in college football in a school that you dreamt of your entire life, either a grad that I wanted to graduate from. First it was Georgetown, then it was Notre Dame. Never went to either one of those schools. But I will never forget being behind the goalposts when Pitt played at Notre Dame. Uh, that was Larry Fitzgerald, Rod Rutherford, and seeing the team run past you. I was hiding behind the goalpost filming, of course. As all of the players run past you, I'm like, man, this this is awesome. Being at Notre Dame. First time, last time. Never went back. And actually, this year, they actually play at Notre Dame the day before my birthday. I was thinking about maybe going. If I can get one ticket, we'll see. But the next biggest game... You know, it might be a tie. Like, I was really intimidated when Pitt, and obviously I didn't play. It wasn't on the team. But it was intimidating hearing the gobble-gobble at Virginia Tech. Every time Virginia Tech, I think when they, only when they scored, it might have been at a first down. Probably not a first down. But West Virginia, going to West Virginia was just, it was cold. You didn't know what was going to happen. With the team, Larry Fitzgerald was amazing. Pitt didn't win, but it was very competitive. And I just remember saying, this is what college football is like. You know, and not just because I was attending Pitt, but because I was covering the game as a college journalist, if you will. Um yeah, you, you're vested. And I imagine for the the Pitt News, WPTS, because since then, Panther Sports Network, which was our student television station, if you will, 
um, they don't really do much anymore. And I probably should try to help get that back going again. But like, I can imagine how much fun it is for them today, how excited they are about getting ready for the backyard brawl in West Virginia, in enemy territory. That's where like your adrenaline really gets pumping. Well, my adrenaline is pumping for something else. Colorado Buffaloes and Deion Sanders. Um, I'm rooting for them. You know, before I went to Pitt, I went to an HBCU. Um, and there's nothing like it. The pride you have being at an HBCU. And I know, obviously, Colorado is not an HBCU. And yes, there's a part of me that wishes that Deion Sanders had stayed at Jackson State and built something there. Because players are players, and if players are really good, and all of a sudden you find yourself undefeated and you continue to get better and better and better, then more players want to come to your team, more players want to come to your conference. And I know we're not saying that an HBCU conference can get to a Power Five. But that program, of course, suffered somewhat of a setback, right? Dion left. But what he's doing at Colorado isn't just amazing because he's doing it the very next year after he left Jackson State. But he's also doing it when he said, hey, I'm going to bring a bunch of HBCU players with me. They're showing that they can play at that level. Shadour Sanders should be in the Heisman conversation because that's starting already. He's had two straight games with, what, 500 plus yards or five touchdowns. I mean, it's just the fact that what he has done is is just cool. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and be like, oh, now I'm rooting for Colorado. No, but I want to see Dion in Colorado do well. We There's a close connection in a way. We had Shador Sanders, shout out to Kay, who set it up on a, a TV show that I worked on. Some time ago. And it seems like it was yesterday. So it wasn't really some time ago. But, you know, he seemed like he was pretty cool. And to think that now he's on the big stage, he'll probably go play in the NFL, at least at the rate he seems to be playing at. I'm sure they're already like, oh, yeah, let's let's look at this Shador Sanders. He was amazing. And then on the sideline, it's like a who's who. Wu-Tang Clan was on the sidelines at Colorado. All of the ca- former Dallas Cowboys were there. Of course, Michael Irvin was the most popular one. I mean, everybody's showing up on Colorado's sidelines. I mean, I imagine that's easier to do for the home games and the away games. But I love it. I'm here for that atmosphere. Neon Dion has been neon lights, the bright lights, since he was at Florida State. And he brings the lights. And now the light is shining on Colorado. The light is shining on a bunch of HBCU players that probably would not have gotten a look if they had stayed at Jackson State. So that's the flip side of that, that now they will be getting attention. Now there's a chance, a greater chance, not just a chance, because they could have a chance to go to the NFL from an HBCU too. I think four players from HBCUs were drafted this past year in the NFL draft. But now at Colorado, the stage is bigger. Right. You're on national television. This was on Fox Sports, big 
noon football classic, whatever they call it. And that's a big deal for them. Their opportunities improve to get to that next level. And I'm going to be rooting for Colorado. But number one, I'm going to be rooting for Pitt. Hail to Pitt. Let's get that backyard brawl. Although after last week, I know Coach Coach Narduzzi was like, we got our work cut out for us. And I hope they come through. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game. All right, next we're going to talk a little baseball. A little baseball. Shohei Otani had to be shut down. Probably going to get Tommy John surgery soon. And I was like, oh, okay, we'll see. His agent said he is, he wants to continue to pitch and hit because he's got to know that he is the most valuable player. Or as someone said on a, on a podcast I was listening to that maybe they should have two awards and I'll give you that. I think he is the MVP, but I would be okay if they then had a MOP, most outstanding player. And then you can just give it to Shohei Otani every year because you kind of have to. I mean, he's a two-way player. Oh, yeah, he's a two-way player on Colorado that I, I want to see how he does too, forgetting his name at the moment. But the Angels, especially after reports came out, I think like a week later, that they're open to trades for Mike Trout. And I just, I'm okay with that if I'm the Angels. I just think you should have done it earlier. During the trade deadline, you should have just said, you know what, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to start over. We're going to do a reset and try again. And they should have traded Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And been done with it. You know, you look at what Tampa Bay has done always with young players. You look at the Orioles, what they have done. I mean, shoot, you could look at the Braves, right? They started out with a bit of a farm system. The turnaround in baseball, in my mind, could be wrong. I feel like it's faster than it seems to have been in the past. For a team to like trade away stars, get some young prospects, and all of a sudden, if you get the right prospects, you can win sooner than later. I still say the Orioles are ahead of schedule. I didn't see this coming. Not having the best record in baseball, right? Who did? Who saw this? I mean, granted, I feel like if they're tied right now with the Rays, because the Rays technically won one more game, but they also lost one more game. So it's going to be a tight race coming down the stretch. But I didn't see them having the best record in the National League. I really didn't. And so... If I'm the Angels, who were awful, I mean, I know they had a shot to make the playoffs, like right around the trade deadline. They were closer, but not close enough. It wasn't a lock. It wasn't like they were, you know, sitting atop the AL West, and now they're probably going to lose Otani in the offseason. And my thing is, 
even if they were like, oh, no, we're going to keep Otani. We're going to pay him. Yeah, but you just said or reports are that you're going to trade Mike Trout. So that can't be going in the right direction. If you're Shohei Otani, you're like, yeah, I think this team's trying to start over. They're going to lose him to what team? I'd probably say it's got to be either the Yankees or the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers, the fact that Shohei Otani could probably live wherever he lives now, just changing uniforms, is probably the best thing for him. I still think he is a $750 million player in terms of the contract he could get, but it's probably going to end up being more like five, six, now that he's going to have to get Tommy John surgery. But the Angels messed up. And they have continued to mess up year after year after year when they're like, this is the year, this is the year, we're going to do it. And I mean, they saw something in Shohei Otani. They got him. They wanted him. And he's been amazing. But the Angels as a team just simply cannot get it done. And it shows. It shows. I'm going to end on NFL, so I'm going to talk about the NBA next. And... USA not even meddling in the FIBA Basketball World Cup shows that the best talent needs to be playing for USA in order for them to win now. Because the best talent in the NBA, when you look at like the top three players, they're not from the United States. Will I say that the world has caught up to the USA? U.S. basketball? No. But I will say that I find it super hypocritical. Maybe that's not the right word. The best players from the United States that play in the NBA have been given a pass, have, to me, have not been criticized enough for not wanting to play for your country. That's why USA didn't meddle. There were players on the FIBA basketball team that weren't even starters on their NBA team. So when I look at Germany that won, I'm like, okay. I mean, everybody's acting like, oh, Dennis Schroeder, look what he did for Germany. How is he not a star in the NBA? Because USA didn't play their best. They didn't have their best players. That's why Germany and Serbia were playing for the gold medal game. That's why Canada is wearing the third place medal or whatever they get, a trophy. When I watched that Germany-USA game, how many of you knew who Obst is? O-B-S-T was his last name on the jersey. I don't even remember his first name. He was the top scorer in the game. Have you ever heard of him? No. He doesn't even play in the NBA. And he was cooking USA. Top score of the game, 24 points. I was watching like, who is this Obst? How is he not in the NBA? Because he's probably in some ways maybe not good enough to play in the NBA. Or maybe he just wanted to stay and play in the German league, which is fine too. You want to stay in your country or wherever he plays. I didn't even look him up. To know where he plays when he's not playing for his country. 
They had Daniel Tice, Bonga, Schroeder, uh, what am I, Maritz, uh, gosh, how am I getting his last name? But the bottom line is Germany's team was filled with, I don't want to call them journeymen in the NBA, but I guess you probably could say they're mid-level as far as talent. But so is USA. In the broadcast of that game, it talked about, oh, the USA didn't respect Germany. I was like, ah, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say they disrespected the other teams and thought, oh, we're just going to coast. But we need the Steph, LeBron. The dream team, in my mind, wasn't about the dream team that you want to win the gold medal. I thought it was more about crushing the dreams of the other teams that you have a chance to win. And if we don't have the best players in the NBA playing for our country, then yeah, there's a good chance we're not going to win if the international teams do have their best players and the level of talent by the international teams is getting better and better and better every day. Maybe not equal to USA right now, but hey, if you ask who won the championship and it's not USA, 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 USA every year, then that means that it is maybe a little more equal. But no, that's not the case. We simply are not having our best players. And it's not like we don't want them to play. They simply don't want to play. And I do not like that now that they lost, all the players want to, oh, we're, we're coming back out to play like we're rescuing the team. I don't like that. This isn't a Willis-Reed situation. I think they should be embarrassed at the fact that, you know what, we should have been playing. That's where it should come from. So while I am happy that they are deciding to now play, and probably if they do play, the international teams have no chance of winning. I don't think so. Because yes, while I mentioned at the top of this NBA topic that Giannis, Joel Embiid, well, I guess Joel Embiid can play for here, Luka, Nikola Jokic, play for international teams. It's not like they'd be all playing on the same team. So Giannis, yeah, go ahead and play for Greece. You're not winning, right? We know that that's what's going to happen. USA is just better. Heads above better when the best players play. I mean, I kind of get, oh, I want a break. I, I, You know, my body's worn down. I'm trying to win the NBA championship. But you only do some of these things. Not everybody gets these opportunities. And you got to cherish them. Take advantage of them. Like the players that don't show up for the NBA draft. Probably because they're scared they won't get picked. I get that. You don't want to be embarrassed sitting there. But the thought of missing out on walking on the stage. Should also motivate you to go there. But. I am excited about the possibilities 
of seeing the top players playing in the NBA champ in the excuse me in the Olympics. But I also just want to caveat. I want to see the top players in the slam dunk contest again. Right? Come on. Mac McClung winning the slam dunk contest. Give me a break. Another thing I want to get a get give them a break on in the NBA is James Harden and Damian Lillard asking for trades. Adam Silver saying he doesn't like the fact that Damian Lillard is saying I only want to play for Miami. If another team trades for me, I'm not going to play for them. I'm going to sit out. I mean, Adam Silver, in my mind, I will continue to say he is no David Stern in the way that he handles things. But I think when you take it on the flip side, teams have always had control of the player. And because now a player is able to have a little bit of control, like, oh, this is it's unacceptable. I'll call your bluff on that one. Even for you and me listening, don't you get to pick where your next job is? Right? My employer can't just trade me. I decide I would like to go work for that company. I want to move to another city. I want to change careers. You are in control of that. Why can't Damian Lillard be control of where he wants to go next? That's where I'm coming from. What's wrong with that? We all do it. You want better pay, a better culture, whatever the case may be. If we can do it, why can't Damian Lillard do it? I mean, he couldn't do it discreetly, right? I mean, that's that's the unfortunate thing about the NBA. But if he could, you know, call off sick from Portland Trailblazers, <clears throat> I'm sick. And then fly down to Miami and do an interview with Pat Riley. Yes, I would like to come play for the Miami Heat. Here's my resume. Okay, yes, come and play. Put in your two-week notice at the Portland Trailblazers and go move to Miami for your new job. Yeah, he can't do it that way, but I feel like I don't see why he shouldn't have a right to say, I want to go play there. I want to go there. Yes, they signed a contract. But when they're traded, how often do they talk about the team is supposed to honor that contract? Is that talked about? No. Right? When they're cut from a team or traded to another team, how often are we like, oh, the team was supposed to honor that contract? We don't. It should be a two-way contract. The narrative should be a two-way street. The story, how it's reported. Damian Lillard knows where he wants to go, and there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. Now, how the teams decide the players that are traded, that is a different story. Maybe Miami can't match the deal as it's currently set up in the CBA, and so he has to stay in Portland. But I'm not going to fault him for saying that's where I want to go. I'm just simply not. Can't do it. 
Lastly, we'll talk about the NBA. I'm uh, messing up. Lastly, we'll talk about the NFL. I'm going to start with something small here about my Washington Commanders. Uh, There was a picture showing Joel Embiid at the Washington Commanders game. And he plays for the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's like, dude, are you supporting the Commanders now? But you're a Philly guy. I mean, I'll take Joel Embiid on the Washington Wizards if we're going to do that too. So I think from that perspective, I get it. Some people are like, yo, why are you supporting Washington when you should be supporting the Eagles? Well, that's because the owner who owns the 76ers also owns the Washington Commanders. That's one thing that I don't like about these owners owning multiple teams in different cities, different leagues. That I feel like for a fan... And I do think that tweet made me think about how at its core, you root for your city. You root for your team. You root not just for the player, but for that jersey, that team. And I can get how somebody who's an Eagles fan is like, yo, I just don't like it. Right? You're supposed to be supporting your fellow athletes. In your particular city. That solidarity. I get it. And now I feel like it's bifurcated. Or maybe that's just a part of the change. Of the landscape of where we are. Loyalty is different. It's just the way that. People root. For your team. It's just not how it used to be. And there were people looking. Because I like to look at the replies. And some were like, oh, it's not a big deal. Others say, yeah, it is a big deal. Josh Harris. You know, all of a sudden, all of these Philly players are coming down to Washington now. And, you know, I mean, don't get me started on how... You know, my dad was like, oh, yeah, Kevin Durant repping D.C. And I mean, I get that a little bit. I can't remember what tournament or something he was referring to. But I'm like, does he really rep D.C.? Because he didn't want to play here. And I just don't want to hear that. Selective repping D.C. I rep D.C. all the time. I do. But I think about how Kevin Durant was like, but I don't want to play there. So it's like you kind of rep, but not 100% rep. That's where I'm like, there's just gray area. And I'm got to get used to it too. It's something to get used to. But look at me. I went all way off on loyalty to your city. Now I don't even live in my city anymore, right? So you can say the same thing about me, if you will. Looking at the games, the thing, the games that stood out to me. The second tier one was the Chiefs. And I feel like it didn't get as much attention because it was a Thursday night game. But I think the Chiefs miss Eric Bieniemy. 
to think that Andy Reid decided to go for a fourth and 25 with more than two minutes to go in the game when in your own territory? I, I, I was flabbergasted. I thought for sure that they were going to punt. That was my thing. And they were going to get the ball back. That, that, that it just surprised me. The Lions beat them by a point in Kansas City. And it was just like, wait, what? The Super Bowl champs should not be losing to the Detroit Lions on their first game of the year. But I do think in many ways it's because Eric Bieniemy is no longer the offensive coordinator. I'm happy for Detroit. Shout out to Darren and Jeremy. I know they were happy. But I just thought that in my mind, like, what the heck is going on? That definitely, to me, was out of character for Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. And it showed. And maybe you could say, oh, it's because they aren't taking preseason seriously enough. And this really is like a real preseason game. That first game of the season is really the first time the team is playing together. You could say it because Chris Jones held out. So the defense wasn't as good for KC. No Travis Kelsey. You can say that, too. But what you can't say is, to me, that was the biggest mistake of the game was at the end. You had your timeouts, should have punted on 4th and 25. Hopefully you get them in the 3 and out. You get the ball back around your 40 with like a minute to go or more. And you march down the field, try to kick a field goal and win. I just didn't get it. And we'll see what happens this week. The Thursday night game this week. It was all right. Philadelphia should have won. Minnesota's 0-2. Philadelphia's 2-0, about what I expected. I will say this to the day in Minnesota. You like that? I hope you did. Because you got Kirk Cousins. I was happy he's gone from Washington, even if Washington hasn't been great. But I thought he was picked where he should have been picked in the draft. And he's been about a 500 player his entire career. More hype than he is actually delivering. It's showing again. And I know it's not all on Kirk Cousins, but I've seen him up close. I'm like, eh. Philadelphia should have won that game. But the game everybody, of course, is still going to talk about. It'll be talked about all year is the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers played four downs. Four plays, rather. He got hurt when he was tackled and is out for the year. And yeah, the first thing I would say is, yeah, karma. A lot of people are saying that. Football gods, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure he could use a shot in that ankle now. He'll take whatever medication he's got to take to get better, right? 
See how that comes full circle? Won't take the vaccine, but yep, doc, give me that shot for my ankle. For my surgery, whatever the case may be, I'll take whatever medication. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's in it. You know what's happening. I feel like the Jets are definitely going to get flexed from primetime now. Now all of these TV executives are like, uh, can we uh, give the Jets game back to the local broadcast and let's pick this game up instead? Nobody wants to see the Jets now. Why? L-O-S-E, lose, lose, lose. They did not, which was the most amazing thing, that they won that game. I would say the Bills lost it more than the Jets won it. That was one of the worst games by the Buffalo Bills. And even though it was week one, the thought that came to my head was the window is closing on the Bills. Last year might have been their best shot. Josh Allen just simply did not look good. It looked like he's in his head and he's pressing to try to get back to the playoffs again. Because I'm sure it stung the way that they lost last year. And you never know if you're going to get back. But that's what I saw in a Bills team. That they just want to fast forward and get right back to the playoffs. And see if they can win it. And I think their window's closing. If it isn't closed already. But now Robert Sala having to lose Aaron Rodgers that fast. I'm going to keep saying that's right. You got to have your instant coffee. Remember when he was criticizing the New York media for, hey, this game isn't like instant coffee. It doesn't just happen that fast. It changes. And my man has changed, had to change more times. I mean, it's just hip, it was a hypocritical statement. And while I never want any player to get injured and hurt, I think it's time for Aaron Rodgers to retire. While he thought the greener pastures were the green of the New York Jets, he should have stayed with the Green Bay Packers. That's what he should have done. His ego couldn't take it anymore. He had to say, I am better than you. You don't deserve me. You can't control me. And I'm out. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to run for President of the United States. That's my bold prediction at some point. But I think realistically, he won't come back next year. I think he's going to have to retire. And I think he should just announce it now. He's going to be like 41 years old. He's not. Look, Aaron Rodgers, you're not Tom Brady. You're not Peyton Manning. I know you're, you were trying to do that as, as Tom Brady did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos winning that Super Bowl with that next team instead of being able to finish their career with one team. That part of it, I guess I, I, I do get some. But this has been going on with Aaron Rodgers year after year after year, threatening the lead, not being happy, pouting, complaining. Karma. Karma. 
I think it's karma. And now he's just got to sit and watch. And I think he should just announce his retirement. I really do. Let's just move on. All right, move on. Last thing. I I, I started season saying I, I wasn't going to do my lock. So I didn't do it in week one. And I'm not going to do it by the spread. But I am going to pick teams that I think will win. Just outright. Not spread. Even though the game passed, I wasn't going to pick the Vikings. I was going to pick the Eagles. But I know it doesn't matter to you. So here's my here are my picks. Commanders at the Broncos, I'm taking the Broncos. Raiders at the Bills, I'm taking the Bills. Ravens at the Bengals, I'm taking the Ravens. Chiefs at the Jaguars, I'm taking the Jaguars. Chargers at the Titans, ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, Chiefs-Jaguars was a tough one too. I'm going to take the Titans. Packers at the Falcons, I'll take the Packers. Seahawks-Lions, I'll take the Lions. Colts-Texans, oh, that's an awful game. I'm going to take the Texans. Bears at the Buccaneers, I'll take the Buccaneers because they're at home. Nothing more. Giants-Cardinals, that's an awful game. I'm going to take the... Cardinals, because they're at home. Nope. Oh, boy. They don't have their quarterback. I'll take the Giants. Sorry, going back on that. 49ers Rams. That's going to be a good one. Sunday at 4 or 5 p.m. on Fox. I'm going to be tuning in for that one. I am going to take the 49ers. Jets, Cowboys. I will take the Cowboys. They thrashed the Giants. The Jets got lucky. They should not be 1-0. Uh, Dolphins, Patriots, I will take the Dolphins on the road. And Monday night, we've got the, we got a doubleheader, by the way, which is exciting. We have uh, Saints, Panthers, I'll take the Saints on the road. And Browns against the Steelers at home. Browns are just a really good team. The Steelers just... Are they going to have two bad games? I mean, I want Kenny Pickett to do well too, but it's not like they were winning. They didn't make it to the playoffs last year. They kind of got lucky towards the end of the year. But I'll take the Steelers in thinking that, okay, they got the Kings out. They're going to be better in that second game. And those are my picks. Steelers, Saints, Dolphins, Cowboys, Niners, Giants, Bucks, Texans, Lions, Packers, Titans, Jaguars, Ravens, Bills, Broncos. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Enjoy your sports weekend. Ciao for now.